Good morning. It is Monday, November 16th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, our host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, is joined by Jennifer Roberts, one of the organizers of Como Lunch Clubs. They deliver free lunches to children around Columbia. Both guests join us by phone this morning, as always, and Dr. Elizabeth Alleman is a local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN. Good morning, Dr. Alleman. What do we have for today? Good morning. Well, it's a, you know, we're living in interesting times. And welcome, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you could join us. Um, I want to start out with just a little bit of news. First is that the United States has passed 11 million uh, documented cases of COVID and has passed 250,000 deaths from COVID. Um, We had news this week. The Missouri governor relaxed guidelines about quarantine in schools, stating that if the two people who would otherwise be contacts um, of each other uh, were both wearing masks appropriately that um, there would be no need to quarantine. So it's going to um, uh, have more schools stay open. Um, and this is at a time when um, in the St. Louis area, uh, multiple physicians came uh, together and uh, Missouri Medical Society um, had uh, Zoom, uh, zoomed in uh, several hundred physicians to uh, in solidarity for asking for a statewide mask ordinance, which we have not received. Um, The Pfizer has announced last week that they um, have a vaccine that's 90% effective. And then on the same day, the Pfizer CEO sold 60% of his company stock for $5.6 million, uh, making a lot of people wonder, like, what's really going on? And then just this morning, I'm seeing that uh, Moderna, said that their vaccine um, is 94% uh, effective, and they're hoping to be able to get that available to us as well. And honestly, since I've just seen this this morning, I don't know whether it has the same challenges with needing to be uh, shipped on dry ice, um, which is going to really limit how many uh, people who live in rural areas can get the vaccine. So I I will have an update for that for you the next time I'm on the air. and then this morning, the Columbia, Missouri is reporting um, data from the New York Times saying that uh, Boone County had 423 new cases yesterday, which is a Sunday. We typically have very low numbers. That would be nearly twice our highest um, reported number of cases. And the Boone County Health Department uh, dashboard has not been updated since the 13th. And they are saying that they are now contacting people who were tested positive on November the 3rd. So they are now 13 days behind um, on the work that they need to do. And this is not criticism of them. This is just clarifying. Our hospitals are filling. Our health department is not able to keep up. And uh, uh, physicians across the state are concerned, and the governor seems to not be listening to physicians. So that, but there's some vaccines on the horizon and there are people like Jennifer Roberts who are working together to try to make things as good as possible. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me this morning. Jennifer, give us a little information about who you are and uh, what your organization is doing. 
Well, I am a Columbia Public Schools parent, and, um, you know, a million years ago when this virus started descending upon Columbia and uh, the school system shut down in the spring, the night before they announced um, these lunch routes, they were worried about how kids were going to get their lunches because... As you know, uh, many of our kids in in Columbia are really dependent on school lunches. It's a big part of their nutrition of the week. And so um, I got to thinking about those bus routes, and as generous as they are, because I think there's over 80 of them in some communities around the nation that have school districts doing this, they only maybe have a dozen stops. And so we can't criticize Columbia Public Schools for for not delivering these lunches door to door. That's impossible. But I kind of immediately saw the challenge there in how is a kid going to uh, leave their house, um, leave their their classes because because they'll be online during that time most likely in a class and go and walk to the bus stop to wait and get their lunch and then walk home. That could take about, depending on how far they are from the bus route, which could be quite a ways, that could that could take a half an hour away from their schooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you've got parents that are now working from home, and it's the same challenge for them as well, to stop everything, hop in the car, and go get the lunches, and then come back, and then and then you still have to cook the lunches. And so um, uh, I thought, well, this this could be easily solved just by crowdsourcing. And so we started the first club in the Shepherd neighborhood. That's where I live. And I just did a simple Facebook post. Our, Our neighborhood is blessed because we do have a very active Facebook group. And I've been really encouraging neighborhoods if they don't already have a Facebook group to start one because uh, it's just really useful in times like, like these. And uh, within about three hours, we had our volunteer drivers all signed up for the first week. And we had, I think we had about 30 kids signed up to get lunches on the first day. And so what we do, because our nearest bus stop is a mile away, um, we take turns uh, driving to the bus stop. We put on our masks, we hop in our car, we go to the bus stop, we get the lunches, we come back uh, to the neighborhood, and we kind of zip around and and uh, put the lunches on the doorsteps and ring the bell and, and dash off. It's all contact-free pretty much, except for the interaction with the uh, bus drivers and the crew on the bus, but that's a brief and it's outdoors. So um, it's been a, a huge blessing to families of all of all income and all backgrounds, it's because of the time savings. People don't think about the amount of time it takes uh, to formulate ideas for lunch and uh, do the chopping and all the things that you have to do to feed kids. And, you know, when you multiply that times five and times however many kids you've got, you know, this is, this is a huge gift. So it, I'm guessing it has grown from that one neighborhood. Right. So 
so we operated for about 10 days, and I recognized pretty quickly how easy it would be for our club to be duplicated. So, you know, Facebook has its evils for sure, but when it comes to spreading good ideas, (laughs) it's it's a big tool. So I just simply shared how we do it, and within 12 hours, there were clubs popping up all over Columbia. And so um, we went ahead and started a HQ, a Como, it's called Como Neighborhood Lunch Club HQ, the public group on Facebook. And, and we, we made that our kind of our welcome desk for neighborhoods that wanted to start up their own club and get it going. And so uh, Mary Rook, and I really kicked it off together in that sense. And she and I just uh, helped these clubs to get off the ground. And once they get off the ground, they're off and running. And they don't really need, they don't really need us very much. So, uh, so yeah, now there are, um, there's, there's 30 clubs that have Facebook pages. Uh, eight of those clubs are still looking for drivers. So, you know, this, like I said, this is crowdsourcing. And so you need families, you're building from two different ends. You're, you're recruiting or finding or getting word out to families that could benefit from the lunches. At the same time, you're recruiting drivers to take an hour of their day. And we really encourage our clubs to have routes that are easy and short to make it um, a fun volunteer experience that doesn't take, you know, too much of their morning. And most of those routes take between 30 and 45 minutes is all. Um, So we have a Facebook group now. We even have a website. It's comolunchclubs.com where families can go on there and uh, find um, a club in their, either in their neighborhood or they can click on a map that one of our amazing volunteers made um, and, and see where the nearest one is. And the map has been useful because it also shows us where the clubs are not. And uh, I feel like people are still learning about the clubs thanks to shows like yours. And uh, when you look at that map, there's a lot of opportunity there to start new clubs. And so a club is just a neighborhood group of people, of people in a neighborhood that create a route. Is that right? It's true. Yeah. What, what makes so, a club? So a club would be um, a geographically chosen area by usually the volunteers live in that in that area. So it doesn't have to be an organized neighborhood. It can just be gotcha. um, uh, convenient geographically. You know, we've got a lot of neighborhoods that bump up to each other. And as you get into the city, it's like you can't really recognize one neighborhood from the other, you know. So so they are, um, geographically, they, we try to make, the, the volunteers try to make sure that it makes sense. And we've had a couple clubs uh, split once they get too big uh, or too, the route becomes too long, then we need to split those clubs up. 
so that the volunteers, like I said, so that uh, it's a manageable uh, experience for them to drive around. We also need to get the lunches delivered in a timely manner because it's food. Um, so, so yeah, if you food, where on, is the food coming from? Uh, good question. So the the food um, comes from Columbia Public School kitchens, and it is free thanks to um, I, I believe it's part. It was maybe part of the CARES Act. I may have that wrong, but. These are. This was all part of the pandemic relief effort. Uh, if you recall, uh, at the very beginning, farmers were, you know, having trouble finding homes for milk. We were seeing milk being dumped. Remember that? And yeah, you know, that that was because our supply chains were all out of whack, and and the people weren't eating in restaurants, and they weren't eating in schools, and so. It's important from so many aspects to make sure that school lunches continue. Uh, it's from the nutrition aspect, from the supply chain aspect, from the farmer aspect. And so Congress approved funding for uh, school districts around the nation. I believe you had to apply for it uh, so that any district that was online in any sense, could provide these lunches for free for any child that wanted them, and it did not was not it is not need based. So that was one of the challenges at the very beginning was getting families that have never needed free food to accept free food. And many of our families, probably over half, don't need the free food they're they're doing okay with their bills and they're you know they're they are food secure however um we recognize with the district also that this was a matter of local jobs if you know that the the staffing with columbia public schools is well over a hundred in our nutrition department and those folks were being parceled out to wash floors and uh, things that are not normally what they do and they wanted to be in the kitchens and those jobs are at risk if if they have to stay away from what they were hired for for too long and so a lot uh, some of them um, I believe there were furloughs at the beginning I'm not positive about that but but as we built up the number of people partic- uh, t- taking part in the lunch club, uh, was able to uh, move those people back into the kitchen, which is wonderful. And um, so, so you know, the, the lunch clubs, the funding just, it, it, enables, it enables this to happen because I, I think it would be really hard to get families to, to say, yeah, we'll take those. And what is the bill? You know, they're not going to do that. They'll probably rather get groceries, but when they realize that that uh, not only is it, you know, free nutrition, but it's basically giving them some time out of their week back and uh, saving them on groceries, which every parent can appreciate no matter their income, they're huge fans of it, the parents. They love the program. They love the program because it's just, uh, it, it introduces an element of normalcy back into their house 
for their children. You know, they the, the kids love it. It's something that they look forward to hearing the doorbell ring every day about 1030 or 11 because they know that lunch came just for them. So, um, yeah, the, the funding is critical and it has been approved through um, through the end of the school year. Yeah, and and so, I might add, I might um, add anybody out there that's hearing about this for the first time, the trepidation of families that that didn't need free food, you know, it, it, was, it was critical to make sure they understood that if you accept it, you're not taking away from anyone. You're, there's plenty. There's plenty. There's as much as we need. That is such a powerful um, statement and affirmation. It's a really lovely thing to hear during these times when we're feeling so much shortage of connection and safety to, to be reminded that in many areas in our lives, there is still is plenty. Um, so, yeah. so this, um, talk a little bit about how important this is to, uh, families who are, who do experience food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we all know that that's more than it, more than it was pre-pandemic. Um, right. Families that used to be fine are, are now seeing their jobs or their hours get cut. And so it's a bigger circle of folks than it was before. And um, But I heard almost within, I don't know, two weeks from people saying thank you because this was saving them on their grocery bill, like substantially. And because that's a lot of meals when you add it up by the week, you know, it's a lot of food. Um, it, I think it, it, and not only in that lunch bag, it's not only a lunch. So it's a, it's a hot entree that they'll, heat up themselves it's best in the oven <laughs> lunch ladies have told us it's better in the oven and they are correct <laughs> for the most part um but those uh those lunches come with the hot entree and in most cases a, a couple of fruit items a couple of vegetables um and a cereal or a breakfast bar or um a donut or something for the breakfast, a muffin and a couple of milks and a juice. So that combination kind of moves around a little bit, but it's a, it's a lot of food in this bag and it, it makes a big difference to them. I think it provides a little peace of mind during what we can all say is just a prolonged difficult time. And, uh, it's it's just a, it's just a, such a blessing, and I'm I struggle with the fact that we are not everywhere because uh, as our map got developed by Tiffany Hughes this weekend, it allowed me to really see the need that still exists because um, you can see neighborhoods that are not covered. Uh, and we know there's a ton of families and a ton of food insecurity in those areas. So 
you know, if there's listeners out there, we, we have some clubs that have, that are set up on Facebook. We just need drivers. We're just waiting on volunteers and, uh, you know, most of our requirements for a, what are the requirements for a volunteer? So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, well, I would, I would love to do something for my community that doesn't put me in contact with anybody except briefly a bus driver Yeah, it's outside. just perfect. It's a perfect opportunity for a retiree or grandparents. Um, you, you do not have to have children. <laughs> That's part of our problem. Um, most of our volunteers are parents. And so it, they do it because uh, if they deliver one day, then they're reaping the benefits the other four days. Uh, and so they recognize that it's 100% worth it. And they're teaching, and they often have kids in the car, and the kids are learning about giving back to the community. But um, right. the requirements are you would have to have a functioning vehicle, and you have to enjoy helping others. And that is all. <laughs> so you have to have a mask. So. So the expectation is is the the route is thirty to forty five minutes typically. You try to keep the route less than Correct. an hour, and people can volunteer for one day a week or five days a week. Or it's really best for. I notice. I noticed. I notice more stability in the clubs that have a regular volunteer schedule. So my club has uh, Monday drivers, Tuesday drivers, Wednesday drivers, and so on. And uh, that's just helpful for the captain. Every club has a captain, and that captain is responsible for making the schedule for the drivers and maintaining the list of recipients of the lunches. And uh, it's just easier on the captain's life if, if volunteers are able to sign up for a, a steady day each week. I okay. mean, of course, barring illness or doctor's appointments that were set months ago or things like that. Like today I'll be driving for a neighbor, but we're swapping on Wednesday. You know, it's, it, it just provides a little bit of stability if a person can say, oh, you know what, that's Wednesdays are my, are my day off. I could easily do this for an hour. I'm mm-hmm. from the time I leave my house to the time I get back from the route is about an, is right at an hour. And um, that's, that's what we try to shoot for. So, uh, okay. and of course, the the stops are are spread out in the community such that your stop is going to be near your route. It's not going to be farther than a mile or two at the very most from from where your houses are. So you're not driving across I'm town sure. either. For neighborhoods that don't have a, a, a lunch club set up right now, what's happening is that they can still get their meals. They just have to meet the bus driver at their bus stop. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Um, if you just Google, it's easier to it's almost easier to Google CPS uh, grab and go lunches. And there are there's a really handy map on the CPS webpage webpage for this. And then I believe there are nine routes, and so you can find out which one is nearest you and drive to that bus stop. And they're pretty; they run pretty on time. I'll tell you. Um, and and then also, clear, they can you pick are up not from- looking for. Just to be clear, you're not looking for people to drive the buses that take the, the nope, meals from the school. Uh-huh. 
out into the community. You do the next step, which is meeting the school bus driver and taking it to individual homes. That's right. We're, we are um, the, middle, the middle man. And so we just, we pick it up from the bus and we take it to the doorstep and ring the bell. And this is also really good for the many kids who are home alone right now. Um, mom doesn't have to worry. Lunch is on the doorstep. You know, how great is that? So we, we need more of this. We need our gaps in that map to be filled in. And um, I, 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 we, need, we need Columbia Public Schools to help us spread the word as well, because I could go on radio shows all day long, but uh, CPS has been hesitant to do that because of, of liability reasons, but hopefully they'll recognize that the benefit outweighs the risk. There's, you know, we're doing great. We're doing great. We have not had any lunches <laughs> arrive past two o'clock, which is the throwaway time, <laughs> you know, and okay. it's, it's, we, we really need Columbia public schools to recognize us as uh, something that can help them. We need them to help us help them to, to get the foods fed because really we, we benefit Columbia public schools tremendously with this project because they actually make money on these lunches. So, um, CPS gets to claim these lunches for more than they are actually paying for them, which is a good thing. And it's a typical thing. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not shady or anything. I don't want to frame it like that. But they, it's to their benefit to get as many of these lunches into little hands as possible. It's and to everybody's so benefit. Can, everyone, so is, it's win, 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 win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a message to Columbia Public School parents and maybe some of the older students who aren't participating in this program and um, how, how, why, how and why they could participate? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting uh, thought, too. You know, people are people think, oh, they, these are little these are little kid lunches. And oh, some days, yes, some days they are. But we have 18 uh, year olds in our neighborhood that are home from college that have been getting these. And uh, it's just, it's, it's just great. So it's, like I said, it's convenient. So it's ages two to 18 are the kids that qualify uh, for this. And so they don't even have to be a CPS student. They can be a homeschooler. So it's any, any person. Any child. In and the Columbia, I'm guessing, have to be in the Columbia Public School District. Yes, they they do need to live yeah. in mm-hmm. the district. But any right, anybody in the Columbia, any person in the in the Columbia Public School District, ages two to eighteen, regardless of where or if they're enrolled in school. That's right. That's right. We have a lot of homeschoolers on our route, and it's fun for them too because it's it's like regular school <laughs> it's, you know right and those, those children little, between little those children between between two and six might not be enrolled in school at all this year that's right we have a lot of preschoolers yeah we have a okay. lot of preschoolers enrolled and um yeah the case in point when the elementary schools went 
uh, went back in building, our route only changed, it only went down by about 30%. Um, and of course, now today will be the first day of it going back up. Um, but but it was only, only about 30% of our kids were actually attending CPS elementary schools. So, so to participate telling. in this program, they would, uh, families would contact the Columbia Public Schools? No. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. They have to find us. They have to circumvent the schools right now as it is right now. And so we've tried our best to reach out, but we don't have the outreach power that, that CPS has. But that's okay. We're, we're, we're doing it. It's just we could do more okay, if we had so just yeah. to clarify, to participate in the school lunch club, they would need to find you on yeah, Como Neighborhood need, School Lunch Clubs or on here's Facebook. Here's what they need to do. They need but to go on But if they want Facebook. them, okay, go on Facebook, yeah. They need to go on Facebook and they need to do a search for Como Neighborhood Lunch Clubs HQ. And okay. Como Neighborhood Lunch Clubs HQ, they go on, they go on that page and uh, they can request to join, and I'll let them in. And uh, then they can do a post and say, hey, I live in this neighborhood. Uh, which club is mine? Like I said, that, that page group serves as a welcome desk. Um, they can also, if they're not on Facebook, they can go to uh, comolunchclubs.com. Uh, the thing is, we use the Facebook group as a mode of communication. That's much easier than a website. And so, uh, but the website does give information about the club and links to each club's group on Facebook. Well, so that Jennifer is how Robert, you get thank in you. a club and get up. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to Mallory, and thank you all for listening. Um, wash your hands, wear your mask, take your vitamin D. Plan a uh, plan holiday gatherings that include only your household members and uh, cultivate a cheerful confidence that your body can handle a virus. And then I just want to announce that Wednesday, so I'll be recording a an interview with uh, Robin Blunt, who's the chief medical officer of Boone Hospital uh, this today, and we'll be airing that on Wednesday morning. Thank you, Mallory. Thank you. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse, and special thanks to our guest, Jennifer Roberts, one of the organizers of Como Neighborhood Lunch Clubs, for joining us today. We will be sure to post links to the Facebook um the Facebook group and the website on our show notes so you can look there for more information and if you missed part of this program or want to share it with your friends you can find it later today at kopn.org and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as always we want to know what questions comments and insights you have related to coronavirus so leave us a message at 573-874-1139 or email gm at kopn.org with your comments and questions Catch us again live on Wednesday, or I guess it will be recorded on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Um, yes, on at 9 a.m. Okay, one more announcement before we go. First Impact Parent Education Program is offering a 90-minute evidence-based traffic safety program that educates parents and new teen drivers about Missouri's graduated, graduated driver licensing law. This online program is tomorrow, November 17th at 6 p.m. for both parents and teens. The goal of First Impact is to eliminate motor vehicle fatalities and injuries and reduce the number of crashes among teen drivers. So again, that's tomorrow, November 17th at 6 p.m., 
Those register those interested can register by calling 573-884-3463. And just a reminder to all of our listeners that public service announcements or PSAs are a free community service provided by KOPN. We welcome the submission of PSAs that align with the interests and needs of our community, our listeners, and the common good. More information about submitting a PSA for air on KOPN can be found at kopn.org slash submit dash PSA. That's KOPN.org. Thank you so much for tuning in to Community Pulse today on KOPN 89.5 FM. Between the Lines is up next. Stay tuned.